0: Welcome to the podcast of Westminster Presbyterian Church in Greenwood, Mississippi. We are a community of Christians that exists to make disciples of Jesus Christ and influence the Delta for the glory of God. More information about Westminster can be found at www.wpcgreenwood.org. Those who are going a little worship can be dismissed at this time you're staying with us, uh, turn your, in your Bible, your bulletin, uh, wherever you have a Bible, um, Malachi chapter 2. And I will pray um, as we transition. Let's pray. Um, Father, we come to your Word as um, well, I don't know about everybody, but I know me, just a needy, needy person uh, that needs hope. Um, can be prone to despair, um, prone to sadness, uh, prone to just problems. And Lord, we, we come uh, needing your Spirit to fall and, and to, to make sense of the mess uh, that is in our world, the mess that is in our own souls. Uh, Lord, we need Jesus to be beautiful to us, uh, to be more beautiful than all the other little shiny happies that we chase. Uh, So, Lord, we ask that through your Spirit you would come and that you would illuminate this Scripture to us. Um, May we be edified. May we even enjoy sitting under your Word. And we ask this in Christ. Amen. Um, So, take some water. So, in our first year of marriage... I took Annie on a date to see the Trans-Siberian Orchestra. And uh, I know some of you later are like, that's a mistake. And it was a mistake. I-, I thought it was a great idea. I mean, what better way to get in the Christmas spirit, right, than with heavy metal rock riffs on a guitar, right? Um, I loved it. Uh, but my wife, uh, she doesn't have the same appreciation for rock that I, that I do. and She's more of the... Uh, You know, the kind of acoustic singer-songwriter vibe, right? All right, so I don't know if you've ever been to one of their concerts, but it is extremely loud and extremely bright, like strobe lights, pyrotechnics. Um, And Annie wasn't feeling it, like at all. Um, It's not her style. So I don't know how she managed this, but Annie went to sleep during the concert. (laughs) Uh, And uh, we ended up leaving early uh, from that concert. Okay. Well, in in kind of the same way, this morning we're coming to a passage in Malachi that at first glance you may think, this is kind of like the Trans-Siberian Orchestra concert. I mean, it may be for some people, but it ain't for me. Um, But before you check out or get bored or like take a nap, um, please know that this passage matters for every single person in this room. Let me explain First, uh, this is addressed to the literal priest of Malachi's day. And y'all, some of y'all know this, but you know, in the Old Testament, um, the, the nation of Israel was divided into 12 tribes, and one of those tribes was the, the tribe of Levi. And Levi's descendants were the ones that were responsible for the care of the tabernacle, the care of the temple. They were the security team. They were the choir, the musicians. They were in charge of the upkeep of the facilities, and in many ways, they function like deacons. And then the priests were another group within the Levites. The priests were all descendants of Aaron. The passage was to them, and, and to kind of the modern-day version of them, which means this is a, a wake-up call to people like me, to, to pastors, to elders, on um, people whom the Lord has called to specifically serve His kingdom. And in a day of celebrity pastors and CEO pastors and social media pastors, we're we're going to find that so much of that looks nothing like God's call to to pastors. And so God literally lays out our job description. And so if you want to know what Josh and I are supposed to be about or how you can critique us better, I suppose, um, here you go, okay? But then second Though God calls uh, specific people to serve as pastors, ministers to his His church, uh, we, we also have to remember the rest of the story that if you are in Christ, then you are also called to approach this world, to minister to this world in a, a priestly way. And, and look, you know, the, the minister, pastor, all that's kind of you know fancy churchy language, but it's the minister kind of in the british sense of like the prime minister it's just minister just means to serve and so that means that you 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 approach the world serving it in certain ways as a believer and so way back in the old testament god told his people that that you shall be my treasured possession among all people for all the earth is mine and you shall be to me a kingdom of of priests and then in case we think well that's just how it used to be it's not like that anymore in the New Testament, Peter tells us, talking to, to now the church, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of, of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And so we, we hold this, this view of light. It's called the priesthood of all believers, which means every single believer is given the task and the honor the privilege of of serving in a priestly way in this world. Which means if you are a Christian, then this is your job description as well. Okay? Um, And and then finally, third, look, maybe you're not a believer. Maybe you're here, or maybe the only reason you're here is because, like, your parents threatened to take your PlayStation away or something, you know. Um, Maybe your spouse drug you here, and you're here, but you ain't too happy about it. Um. You know, Or maybe you're friends with the Aethovens and you just came to support them. And here you are thinking, like, great, I'm stuck here about to hear a sermon about priests. Great. Well, look, I just want to say that before you check out or before you, like my wife at the concert, try to, I don't know, do whatever you do, take a nap, um, know that a lot of what our world conveys as Christianity may not be right. And so this is just a good opportunity for you, maybe as a non-believer, just to have the opportunity to see the Scripture, you know, to, to see thus from the horse's mouth what gospel-believing Christianity is really all about. What is the gospel? What, what, what are these Christians about? Well, maybe you'll get to see this morning. So again, this isn't a Trans-Siberian Orchestra concert. This is for everybody. Okay. So with all that said, let's dive in. This is God's Word, Malachi 2, 1-9. And now, O priest, this command is for you. If you will not listen, if you will not take it to heart to give honor to my name, says the Lord of hosts, then I will send the curse upon you, and I will curse your blessings. Indeed, I have already cursed them, because you do not lay it to heart. Behold, I will rebuke your offspring and spread dung on your faces, the dung of your offerings, and you shall be taken away with it, For the lips of a priest should guard knowledge, and people should seek instruction from his mouth, for he is the messenger of the Lord of hosts. But you have turned aside from the way. You have caused many to stumble by your instruction. You have corrupted the covenant of Levi, says the Lord of hosts. And so I make you despised and abased before all the people, inasmuch as you do not keep my ways, but show partiality in your instruction." (laughs) It's God's Word. Um, So first, again, this is for all of us, but but first uh, first big point, the job of the priest. What is the priest's job description? You know, a a few places in the Bible mention this this covenant with Levi. It was this kind of agreement between God and the priest about what the the priestly role was, what their job was. And, and, And here we see that they were called, and thus we are called, to primarily minister Life and peace. Like the, the, the goal of Christians is to serve up life and peace. Wherever you are, we, we infuse life and peace. You know, ask almost any, any person what they most deeply long for, and, and their answer will contain some combination of life and peace. You know, like, I just want to know everything's going to be okay. Um, I, I just I, I don't want to have to fear death. Or, or I just, I long for the good life now. You know, what will in an anxious world, a lost world, like we're the ones who proclaim life and peace. Like we've got to see, like the Calvary isn't coming. Okay, Uh, we're all waiting for Superman to come and save the day, but he ain't coming. No politician or celebrity nor civic organization can do this. No military, no government, no medication. Can bring this type of life and peace, and so it's no coincidence that when Jesus came, you know, He showed up ushering in life and peace. He said things like, you know, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you may have life, abundant life. Um, I'm not sure why, but you know, our world thinks that Christianity is kind of like the ultimate buzzkill, ugh. Right? It's but but we're about true life. You know, giving life to others, you know, giving life to wherever we live. And there's no other way to truly have, like, the good life in this life, nor eternal life in the one to come, than through Jesus. Jesus said, Look, look, I I don't know what you're doing, but, like, I am the way. (laughs) I am the truth. I am the life. And and then Jesus said a lot of things about peace. He said, my peace I give you. Not as as the world gives peace or not as the world talks about peace. But this is like real deal. We're talking about peace with God. That in Jesus, like the creator of of the universe, God looks on you and smiles. And that's a huge deal. And like if you have the smile of your father, your heavenly father... If you have that peace, then there's no limit to the peace that you can experience on this earth. And that peace flows out into our relationships and out into our civil society. And we know, look, our our nation is a mess right now. And calls for racial reconciliation are everywhere. And yet, I hope we don't fail to see that, that the peace that reconciles that type of hostility... that that we have in our our nation and and that brings mutual understanding between black and white and Latino and Asian, like, that can't be dispensed by a court, you know? Like, you can't legislate that type of peace. But we find in the Scriptures that Jesus is the one. Like, all that we're dealing with right now, like, Jesus was dealing with that 2,000 years ago. Jesus broke down the walls of hostility, and so we have, I mean, we're going to have tons of cultural differences and ethnic differences, and that's okay. But if we've been saved by Jesus, like not only are we on common ground with a lot of different people, but, but like we're family. You know, We're family. And we've seen this happen before. Remember in the early church, we studied it in Acts. But you could argue maybe for the first time in the history of the world, there was a group of extremely diverse people who you may even say, like, they were hostile to. I mean, the Jews hated the Greeks. And yet, in Christ, they came together in this, this uncommon yet beautiful fellowship called the church. And so, look, as, as, as un-PC as it is to say this, over the past 2,000 years, the peace and prosperity of nations have risen or fallen uh, based on the church's obedience or disobedience to this call. And so, priests, part of our job is to dispense life and peace wherever we are, life and peace. Um, second kind of sub point under this, our second job is well, we're called, we just called to worship. You know, verse five, we stand in awe of God. And this is what last week, like last week was all about worship. So I won't rehash it, but, but we respond by the gospel, or, or we respond to the fact that the God of the universe looks on you in Jesus, and he smiles. I mean, that's the blessed life. We respond to that by rejoicing and reveling in his glory. As we said last week, we we give weight to him. We ascribe worth uh, to God. So that's our priority. Third, we find that we speak truth. You know, our our lips are sacred. And and so, I mean, we've got Jesus' on our lips and so if we're always telling lies or if we're, as Christians, we're falling into all these various conspiracy theories that are just coming out, like, like why would anyone believe us on weightier matters? You know, the matters of the soul, matters of, of salvation. And so if, if we speak truth about anything, like, let's make sure that we've, we've studied it beforehand because we're the ones who are called to bring truth into this dark world. Fourth, Priests were called to walk with God in peace and uprightness. Um, You know, that phrase, walking with God, that's kind of like a a super rare phrase in the Scripture because usually you think of like, we'll follow after God or walk after God. We're we're following the Jesus way. But this is a callback to the Garden of Eden, back before things got all jacked up in this world, right? Where, Where Adam and Eve walked with God there's this real intimate fellowship that, that we're called to have. And so this means that this isn't just like, a, you know, come to church a couple times, check the box. But no, it's just, this concept that like life, the, the lifetime of faith is a journey. And it's a journey of, of sweet fellowship, of walking with God, pursuing fellowship with God, uh, walking His way. And so this also means that priests are those who's who our, our walk matches our talk. There's, in, there's integrity between what we say and what we, we do. Uh, Paul Harvey uh, told this story of Gray Baker. Uh, he was a, a grandfather. Gray's, Gray Baker, whose who's three-year-old grandson, they got, you know, those plastic golf sets, the plastic golf clubs? Um, They got him a a plastic set of golf clubs, and his grandson was out in the front yard swinging his plastic driver, you know, trying to hit his little plastic ball, and he didn't hit that great of a shot, and so all of a sudden, this three-year-old just let out this long string of expletives, and he's like throwing his driver, you know, and the grandfather said, what in the world are you doing? Like, you can't say that kind of stuff. And then the kid said, "Well, well, granddad, that's what you say on the golf course, um, you know, we always have eyes watching us, right? And, and look, it, it may not just be our kids or our grandkids. Um, it, it may be, you know, those of you who are students in high school, junior high. It may be students three years under you, and they're looking up to you, and they see how you do and how you interact. Um, and, you know, it may be your coworkers, just a few years behind you. Uh, it may be your employees. It may be people who work for you on the farm. Is there integrity in the way you walk and the way you talk? I mean, that's, that's really how you pass down a legacy, right? It's, it's having integrity. Um, fifth, priests uh, turn others from sin. Um, this is why we say, you know, the church, we, 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 we lean into the mess. You know, we run towards the darkness because we're in the business of restoration. It's verse 6, he turned many away from iniquity. And this is really just shepherding. You know, this is Matthew 18, what what Lee read this morning. This is going to each other in love. And we're like, we're not trying to shame anybody. We're not trying to embarrass anybody. It's like we we go to each other in love, and we bring gospel light and hope uh, into what's broken. And again, you know, we think that, like, this is the elder's job. And it is the elder's job, but it's also, like, all of our our jobs. And then last, uh, but definitely not least, uh, sixth, Um, we guard the gospel. We guard the gospel. We we do everything in our power not to get like soapboxy or to use the Bible as this weapon to like teach our political views. Um, We we guard the gospel so that what we uphold is 100 proof. um, Jesus, I found out the other day that 100 proof really just means 50% alcohol. So 200 proof, okay, is what we're going for for gospel. 200 proof Jesus, um, and, and, and you know people uh, like the whole concept of guarding the gospel someone said the way we guard the gospel like you guard the deposit by giving the deposit away um, that's how it's guarded and, and then as we teach the grace of God it should be like a, a lighthouse that, that guides in lost and broken and weary people back home and so, so this is kind of, in a nutshell, the job description of the ideal priest. But as you saw in our passage, there's, there's a problem, right? Because in Malachi's date, the priests weren't even close to this. And, and God tells us what was really going on, which brings us to our second kind of big point, the problem, the problem here. Uh, verse 8, it, instead of walking with God, it said that they had turned away from, or turned aside from the way. Which, if y'all know, that Early early Christians they called themselves followers of the way. You know they weren't called Christians. They called themselves followers of the way. And, and so there are few things scarier than a pastor or, or being in a church where its church leaders aren't pursuing God, um, who, who don't understand their need of God's grace. I mean it's a recipe for disaster. I mean you're just a quick Google search and you'll see all sorts of allegations of spiritual abuse by pastors, uh, abuse of power, domineering. Uh, and, and there are some who, instead of explicitly teaching the gospel of grace, have used the Bible to talk about the, the end times and how you know helicopters and locusts and all those things are kind of happening um, to teach political views of their candidate. Or just to flat out teach you, like, you need to do more and try harder, and if you try hard enough, God's going to like you, okay? But step it up. And instead of helping set others on the way of life and peace, the way of God, they just end up causing others to stumble. And and we saw this morning again with what Lee read, Jesus reserved some of his harshest words to people who caused his little ones to stumble. He's like, if you're going to cause people to stumble, you might as well just go ahead and just die. Just, Just go ahead. So then instead of, of fearing God alone, it says that they feared man. Verse 9, they showed partiality in their instruction. Um, they were preaching sermons uh, not to give honor to God, but really to kind of get honor for themselves. You know, it's you know, crafting you know, clever messages with clever jokes so that everybody would think that they're great. You know, they do, do ministry so that they could get the photo op, so they could put it on Instagram. Um, you know, Chuck DeGroat, said ministry is a magnet for narcissistic personalities. Um, I mean, you get, to, you get to speak in front of people. And not only that, you get to speak like God's Word to other people. Wow. Um, instead of being pointers to God, they were really just pointing to, to themselves. I'm good. And, and they were likely, the partiality thing, likely treating wealthy people better than poor people. The cool people a little different than they treated the not so cool people. And throughout scripture we find look that if God hates something, He hates the sin of partiality. He hates that. And so the priests had abandoned their post. And so what happened? What happens when a when a church isn't really ministering the gospel? Well we find here it's what always happens. Instead of that blessing instead of that ministry being a blessing, it ends up being a curse. Notice verses 2 and 3. So in the Old Testament, um, let me say this first. You know, the the true gospel message is that that you are never so bad. You are never so bad that you are beyond God's grace, beyond the reach of His grace. You know, like, you can't be so bad. Like, I know some of us can get to the point where, like, oh, I'm just damaged goods, and all the stuff that we did back in like 1980-whatever, like in college, like that, that owns you. But the gospel says that you are never so bad that you are beyond the reach of God's grace. And at the same time, you are never so good that you don't stand in utter needs of, of God's grace. And so when that's not taught, then all of a sudden you know, the curse comes by, well, it leads you to despair by thinking, I'm too far gone. Or it leads you deprived, like, who needs God? I'm pretty awesome myself. And so we, we see in verses 2 and 3 that the center of the, the priestly ministry was pronouncing blessing over God's people. And Johnny read it this morning, the ironic benediction. That, that um, in Numbers we're told that the, the priest, the way they blessed God's people was by putting God's name on the people of God before them. But in Malachi, the priests weren't honoring God. They didn't care about God's name. And so that blessing meant nothing. And so we're starting to see that they were just doing church. I mean, these are just priests. They're just like, they're just collecting a paycheck. They're just doing the things. And and God said, as we remember from last week, God said, I ain't about that. If you're just going to go through the motions, then just don't come. Let's just close up the whole church. Um, And God not only cursed their ministry, but he rebuked their offspring and we I don't know about you, but I read that and we're like, God, why you got to be so mean? I mean, they're just, they're, they're just doing church. A lot of us just do church. I mean, we're not really harming anybody. But we see here that actually, no, actually we do. You know, why bring kids into this? But this is what we see going on every day. That God is saying that what we do affects future generations. It's like the seed that is sown today becomes the future harvest and some of us know that, like some of us are still living beneath the blessing or the curse of our families, our, our grandparents and parents, right? You know, some of our parents laid good, good tracks for us, and we're still reaping the benefits. And also, we also know that it's very possible to inherit messes from our families. Okay, well, in the same way, the priests weren't making God's name great. But they were sowing into future generations of people who would go on to not see God's name as great either. And instead of blessing, they were passing a, a curse. And so it's so important that, that we keep the gospel pure here because what we're doing is laying the groundwork for future generations, not to leave here and think that they're all that or that they can, they can some way like do enough to please God. No, like, We come out here saying, like, give me Christ or else I die. Like Jesus is all I have, he is all I need. Um, and like we said two weeks ago, he loves me just because he does. Um, but then God takes it to a whole other level, this cursing. Verse three, he says, and it's like if God, if this isn't in the Bible, we'd like God would never say this. And you know, we would like, you know, ground our kids for saying something like this. I will spread dung on your faces. And, sh- and you shall be taken away with. All right, what's, all, what's all this about? Um, <laughs> y'all know, okay, so I grew up on a dairy farm, right? So growing up, one of my jobs that my dad, I think he says, gave me the opportunity to do um, was to clean the holding lot. or the, It was this big pen that, that held all the cows. Uh, as they were getting ready to milk, they would be out in the pen, and we would bring them into the dairy, dairy barn to be milked. And I, I, didn't know, I don't know if you know this, but um, the average dairy cow, like we feed the cows a lot, okay? And uh, the average dairy cow produces 82 pounds of manure a day, okay? 82 pounds of manure a single day. Uh, and, and so multiply that across an entire herd of cows, and then you take that entire herd of a cow and you squinch them into a room about the size of this. I mean, they're packed, Right? Um, and, and you kind of get the picture that this is a dirty job, right? And, and we didn't have like a bobcat or a bulldozer. Like, we had to do this by hand. You know, we were like pushing all this manure and spraying it away. Obviously, you want to keep it out of the milk barn, right? Because you want to keep the manure and the milk kind of separated, right? Because unclean and clean, right? All right, so um, we had these huge pits of, that where the manure went, and, you know, kids can be clumsy. I, was, I could be clumsy. Sometimes, like, I'll, I'll be honest, like, I fell into the pit a couple times. And uh, it, I got completely swallowed, and it was kind of like quicksand, except it wasn't sand, you know what I'm saying? Um, so I know what it's like to have dung on your face. Um, you know, so I was telling my, like, you know, the whole kidney cancer thing. I think sometimes, like, my health problems are because of all this stuff my dad made me do on that dairy farm. I just know it. I'm going to die early because of all those chemicals and manure um, okay, the same kind of way one of the priest's job was to receive people's sacrifices, which means livestock, receive the sacrifices and to prepare them to be offered up to the Lord. And, and, and what's amazing is that, um, I didn't know this until this week, but um, livestock, they can hold a lot of excrement kind of in their body, um, in their intestines. And so, part of the prep was cutting away all the intestines and getting all the excrement out away, because that part was considered so unclean that, of course, it couldn't be offered up to God. But it wasn't even allowed in the temple. Like you had to, you had to take all that out. Now, think about this. And he says, the you know the the uh, feast, right? Um, It's been recorded by Josephus, who was a Jewish historian that during these high holy days, there would be up to 2 million pilgrims in, in Jerusalem bringing sacrifices to the temple. And so if you can imagine uh, 2 million uh, like sacrifices, you, that's a whole pile of, of stuff, right? Of excrement and, and intestines that have to be carted off by the priest out of the city gates. So this is a huge, huge mess. Well, here's what God is saying. But because during this time and I suppose even now, priests have always been considered to kind of be clean and set apart and they're, you know, more kind of they're they're supposed to be pursuing God and walking his way. But God said, look, I'm gonna take the ugliness that's in your heart, and I'm gonna bring it to the outside, and I'm going to expose it for all the world to see. And it's gonna be like dung on your face, and everybody's gonna see how how filthy you are. And I will dispose of you, the priest, the same way that you dispose of dung. I'm going to take you out of the temple, out of the church. Like you don't belong here. That's how messed up these priests were. Well, when God exposes our hearts, it's not eh, it's not too pretty, is it? Um, so what do we do with this? Because if we're honest, I I don't know. Well, I mean, I know I. I mean, I have sometimes more in common with these priests than I care to share. Because I would say maybe all of us, like we, we haven't always honored God's name perfectly. Uh, in view of God's holiness, I mean, we stand condemned. You know, by, by His standard, by God's standard, we, we all deserve to be taken out to the dump. So what do we do? I mean, we obviously need help. Well, there, here's how we'll close. This passage makes it painfully clear that in order to have any hope, like we need a better priest, don't we? Um, like we can't cut it. And so Malachi does something interesting grammatically as he's talking about this ideal priest who will uh, be a messenger of the Lord. All of a sudden, Malachi slips into the singular. So as to say, hey, one day there's going to come a priest, an ideal priest who will minister life and peace. There's coming a priest who will one day honor God's name perfectly. And he's not only going to speak truth like he's going to be truth itself. That that there would be a priest with perfect fellowship with God who would come to seek and, and come into the darkness to seek the loss and to turn many away from sin. That there would be a priest who doesn't cause other people to stumble and who wouldn't show any partiality, no favoritism. And so what we're seeing is this, this entire passage, yes, it, it kind of tells us some of what our, our job is as believers. But it's really the point is pointing us to Jesus, like who is our true and better great high priest. Like, we need him. And, and, and to that we may say, well, okay, well, great. What about all this talk of cursing about like, our kids and the dung and all that? And, well, what makes Jesus amazing? And by the way, this is why like people like, I mean, documented fact, people have died for this message for thousands of years. Gladly died for this. Why would you do that? Well, the amazing thing about Jesus isn't that he fulfilled all the good stuff. Of course he's the perfect priest, right? But what makes him even more amazing is he also took the curse that we deserve. Like, he fulfilled both parts of this. On the cross, Jesus, the, the very embodiment of blessing... The perfect high priest, like he became the curse for us, so that in him we could receive the blessing he deserves. On the cross, Jesus was rebuked by his father. So that now in Christ, generational patterns can be changed. You know, in Christ, like cursing can actually be turned into blessing. And then, like dung, Jesus took on the ugliness of our sinful hearts. Um, and we've done some messed up things, but Jesus took it all on, all of it. He took the ugliness of our sinful hearts, and like dung, he was carted away, taken away outside of the city gates to be crucified on the outside so that if we are in him, we could not only be cleansed, but we could be brought back in, like back into relationship with God the Father so that we could have the smiling face of God. And y'all, do, do you see? I mean, I know you do. And for some of y'all, I've heard this 1,000 times. But it's like the older we get, the more beautiful this becomes. That Jesus is our only hope. He's my only hope. He, he's all of our only hope. And so the good news is this, that until he comes again, you still have time to repent and to experience all of his blessings for yourself. So come to him. Like, like Come to him and receive the life and peace of the better high priest. And and then having done that, as believers, then we have the pleasure of responding and actually starting to take on some of this stuff under our great high priest, that you have the opportunity to go out and to go to school, to go to your job, to go to your families, and bring life and peace where you are. Amen? Amen. Let me pray for us. Uh, Father, thank you for your word. Uh, may it be that light uh, to us in the dark place to guide our steps. Um, may it be may it be bread itself for us to eat. Um, Lord, we ask that you would cause us this even this week to see in, in small ways just the beauty that Jesus was the great high priest who served us perfectly and he took the curse. And Lord, may we respond by that. By now, like we're actually compelled to go minister the same life and the same peace that we've been given in Christ. May Jesus be beautiful to us. And we ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Hi, Richard Owens here. I just wanted to take a second to say thank you for listening to the podcast of Westminster Presbyterian Church. Our prayer is that the Lord would use this message to encourage you in the gospel and that you would find Jesus to be more beautiful than you ever, ever imagined. If you'd like to find out more about who Jesus is or more about our church, I invite you to visit our website at wpcgreenwood.org. God bless.